So this is the last night, right? Like you were, if you were here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, now Wednesday night, if you've been here for every one of these sessions, would you just raise your hand? We've got a prize for you. I don't know what it is. We'll figure it out at some point and give it to you. Oh, good job. Thank you so much. You were beasting that thing. You want to flex before you walk off? No? Okay. Thought maybe he would want to flex. He, that's just like a dad, isn't it? Good job. It wasn't quite right. Hey, didn't y'all love Pastor Terry? Her pastor's here tonight. I mean, we are so honored to have you. You're not a stranger here. Uh, Pastor Jay was with us last year. Um, just an amazing man of God. I will say this. Um, it's, and I, I brag on the refuge all the time. Right? I told him the other night that I think I have a church crush. Um, but what I love about Pastor Jay is that he's, and I mean this in the best possible sense of the word, he's been at this a long time. I mean, in ministry, like you, uh, youth pastor, DYD, like that means you're over all the youth of the entire state. I mean, parents in the house that have teenagers. You got one or two, you're like, I can't do it anymore. Like he was over a whole state of teenagers, right? Um, and, then, and now pastoring a church. I mean, you just, you've done so much, and you've been faithful, and you're a friend to me. And that means the world. And we want to say thank you just for the time and the prayer that you give to us and the way you invest in our church. The refuge, I'm telling you, um, I know the ladies know the refuge because y'all go all the time to their stuff. It's amazing. We got to get the men on board, right? I mean, we got to get over there. Y'all got to check that place out. Every time we walk, is this not true? Every time we walk into the refuge, we're just like, ah, it just feels good. You know, and all that's because of your faithfulness. And so uh, we want to give him a humongous gathering welcome, right? Y'all welcome Pastor Jay Stewart to the platform. Amen. Uh, so good to see you guys. And listen, your pastor is a friend of me as well. And I love he and Wendy so very much. And I want you to know that every Sunday morning I call your name out before the Lord and I pray for you and it was such an honor to be back here again this year. It's really special in this sense that last year when I was here as a part of Encounter Week, after the service was over, that we walked from that building up there and we walked down to this building that you guys had just purchased and we walked into this building, and Pastor Paul walked through this place, and he said, and right here is going to be our coffee shop, and right here is going to be some bathrooms, and here's going to be the stage, and the auditorium, and children's rooms, and it was just this dream, and I've been there, and I know what that's like. And, and then to come back two weeks ago, as I came over to have lunch with your pastor, and to just be able to see this beautiful place that the Lord has entrusted to you guys, and I am so thrilled for you, and I'm so proud of you because I know that you've labored and worked and sacrificed and you've given and you've prayed, and the Lord has entrusted to you something for His kingdom. Now, you understand this is just a tool, right? It's a tool for the kingdom's sake. And so we don't identify ourselves by a building. The refuge has never been identified by a building. Uh, we're the people of God, and the building we have is just simply a tool, but I'm thrilled for the tool that he's given to you. And, you know, sometimes when you first get in a new building, I know it was like this for us. Four years ago when the refuge moved into our, our new campus, 
It's kind of like in a brand new pair of shoes, like you really, really love them. But yet it takes a little while to break them in, right? Before they really feel comfortable. And some of you still have a deer in the headlights look a little bit. Like you're, you know, you're kind of like, man, we kind of miss the other place. And you know, it's different and, and all that. Listen, the gathering is still the same. You're still the same group of people. The presence of God is here. The Lord's giving you more space to reach more people here in Albemarle. And I want to challenge you and encourage you that you steward it well, use it well for the kingdom's sake. Because how many of you know there's still much more that God wants to do in this place? It's kind of like the old story goes of the, the guy who uh, went with his grandmother to her church. She said, will you please just come to my church sometime and this is a special weekend and we've got homecoming weekend and we're having dinner on the grounds. And some of you are like, what the heck is dinner on the grounds? Like, you don't even know what that is. Like, I don't want to eat food off the ground. Listen, if you've never been to dinner on the grounds, it is a, it is a, uh, like a warm-up or a preview to the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> come on, can anybody... Bear witness, you know what I'm talking about. And so this guy goes to dinner on the grounds. He goes to his grandmother's church, dinner on the grounds afterwards. And I mean, he eats himself sick. Like he just, and that's what you do, dinner on the grounds. But people were coming around and they were cleaning things up. And you've probably heard this story. And and there was a a dear, precious saint that came by and was getting his plate and kind of cleaning up after him. And, And she said, now listen, son. She said, make sure that you keep your fork. She said, because the best is yet to come. And listen, the best is yet to come for you. The best is yet to come for the gathering. Come on, do you believe that? I'm telling you, the best is yet to come for you guys. You ain't seen nothing yet of what God's going to do in this place. Hey, I know you've had a great week. I've heard and been tracking you guys. I've been stalking you and watching what's going on. And I know it's been a great week. And Pastor Terry had a blast over here Sunday night. And Monday night, and, and honestly, I feel a little intimidated tonight because she can knock it out of the park. She's incredible. And now I have to follow that. That, that is just ain't fair. And I'm still wondering why she got two nights and I got one. And we're going to have to have a talk about that. <laughs> oh, man, but it is very, very special to be back with you guys. And I have with me tonight one of our campus pastors. He's a our campus pastor of our Greensboro campus, Pastor Derek Hawkins. Will you welcome Pastor Derek tonight, who's with us as well? Amen. So thank you for the joy of being back with you again. You know that uh, a lot of the things that we hear on the news, most of the things that we hear are really not worth repeating nowadays. But there's something fascinating that really caught my attention just a few days ago. The technology that we have these days is mind-blowing to me. And, and, I ran, and you may have seen this, ran across this article where they have discovered, they found uh, baby pictures from Adam and Eve. And I just wanted to show those to you tonight in case you hadn't seen those. That's... So you, you, you didn't realize they had baby pictures of Adam and Eve. <laughs> hey, listen, if you have your Bibles tonight or your device, whatever you're using, we're going to jump right into the Word of God. And I really feel like the Lord's laid a message on my heart to wrap up this incredible week. And, and, I, and I just want to remind you as well that tonight is not the end. How many of you believe 
that the Lord takes us from glory to glory to glory. And that what God's been doing these last few nights is really just the precursor to the things that God's going to do, the places that God is going to take you. So don't, don't let your mindset be that you're coming to the end of something. But I really want your mindset to be that you're launching into greater things here at the gathering on this final night of encounter. And I feel like God's given me a word for you as individuals, but I believe it's a word corporately for this house. And I believe the Lord's going to do some things tonight in your hearts. It's going to just help prepare you to go, to take the step, to go to that next place in the things of God. I want to talk to you tonight about a love that remembers. If you will, if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Samuel chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to read a few verses there, and I'm going to ask you, if you will, and this is just something we do every weekend at the Refuge. It's kind of our standard practice where I just ask people to stand to honor the greatest book on the planet. Will you do that as I read these verses tonight? 2 Samuel chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, if you don't have a device, no problem. We came prepared for you, and it's on the screen. You can follow along as I read. It says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Zeba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Zeba told him, at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him. And he brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. And when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth replied, I'm your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. And I'm going to tell you why those were some of the first words out of David's mouth to Mephibosheth. He said, Don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I'll give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Listen, before you're seated, would you just bow your heads, close your eyes, and listen, I'm just going to ask you to just put your hands up, just lift your hands out before the Lord for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's just a sign that you're just surrendering right now. You're just surrendering your mind, you're surrendering your problems, your issues, your heart, you're surrendering your ears. The Bible says to him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say. So, Father, we surrender to you right now. We surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our ears to you. God, I pray in this place that you would give these dear precious ones ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say, God. More important than anything we've heard all day, more important than anything we'll hear on the Weather Channel or on Fox News or on America's Got Talent or any other program or from any other lips, God, what you say to us means more than anything. And we, de- need, we desperately need to hear from you, God. 
And so, Lord, we open our hearts and we open our ears tonight. And Holy Spirit, we put the welcome mat out for you right now. And we say, Holy Spirit, come. We say, Holy Spirit, we're not ashamed of you. We need you to come and to guide us into all truth and to make known to us the heart of the Father. Speak to us, we pray, right now. And I pray, God, that you would do in these moments what I cannot do and produce what I cannot produce. And we thank you, Father, for what you are about to do in this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. If you agree, come on, shout amen. 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 You can be seated. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when I have felt shortchanged. Anybody here ever felt short change? You felt like you got the short end of the stick? You felt like you got cheated? I think all of us, every person that's in this room probably has had some moment in their life, and maybe for you it was this week, maybe it's been this year, maybe 2018 hasn't gone the way you hoped or planned, but maybe at some point in your life you've felt like something or somebody shortchanged you. Probably my favorite snack on the planet is peanut M&M's. Listen, don't be judging. I mean, it might be a borderline addiction, but don't be judging. Ain't none of your business. But there have been times, and you guys know how this is, like you'll get a craving for something. You ever been there? You get a craving for something. And it might be that thing, that favorite thing, that snack, that sandwich, that potato chip, that soft drink, that milkshake from Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. Krispy Kreme, somebody. See, why did we have to go there? Come on now. You'll get a craving for something, and really, you, you'll, about, you'll do just about anything to get that. And I can remember there's been times, there's been a few times in my life, when I've gone to a vending machine, and I've put in the right amount of money, and I've pressed the right buttons. You know, you look, and you go, and you make sure, okay, am I reading from top to bottom or bottom to top? And I want to make sure, because listen, I don't want to think that I'm getting peanut M&Ms, and I get cheese crackers. Like, I'm going to make sure, B4, I'm, I'm hitting the right buttons. And, and you push the buttons, and then something like this happens. You ever had that happen? You know, where your, your snack gets hung right there, and it's between the glass and, and the front. And I mean, you talk about making you want to say some ugly words. Like, you'll grab hold of that thing, start shaking that thing, rebuking that thing, kicking that thing, speaking to that thing in the name of Jesus. I mean, that'll make you want to get ugly right there. I've walked away from moments like that, and that's not a real big deal, but you feel shortchanged. You feel like, wait a minute, I paid my money, I gave, I did exactly what I was supposed to do, and I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't even get what I deserved. I gave the money. I wasn't trying to cheat the machine. I gave the right amount of money. How many of you know sometimes life's like that? 
Because there are times in life that we feel shortchanged. We feel like we do the right thing and we feel like we don't get in return what we invested. Let me see if I can illustrate this. I just need somebody that has a $20 bill right now. Just a $20 bill. If you've if you got a $20 bill on you, just, just bring it up. $20 bill. All right. It's good. $20 bill. Now, no, just, just stay right here because what I'm going to do, I'm just going to give you change for that. There's five. There's ten. And I appreciate that. That's great. <laughs> you can be seated. Yes, sir. Thank you. Pretty good deal right there, huh? Because there's times in life where you invest something and you don't feel like you get in return what you invested. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever had a situation in life where you served people but you didn't feel like they served you in return? Where you poured into somebody, but you didn't feel like they were pouring back into you. Where you gave everything you had to your family, but you didn't feel like there was any reaping from that. You felt shortchanged, right? Or maybe some people feel like, well, you know what? Other people got what I should have gotten. Or if, if I would have gotten what they got, my life wouldn't have turned out the way that it turned out. In other words, if my daddy wouldn't have walked out on me when I was eight years old, my life would have been a whole lot better. Or if I hadn't have been sexually abused, or if I didn't have parents who were fighting all the time, or if I would have had a chance to go off to college, then my life would have been better. My life would have been different, and I've been shortchanged in life. Like I didn't get what I deserved in life. Let me tell you about the verses that we just read. There's a man by the name of David that we're all familiar with that has come into the palace, but he didn't deserve to be there. He came into a place that was not rightfully his. In other words, there, were, there was an heir to the throne that should have been there in the palace. Saul was the king. And he had a son by the name of Jonathan. And Jonathan was the right heir to the throne. But Jonathan and Saul were both killed on the same day in the same battle at Mount Gilboa. If you go back a few chapters, 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, you'll read about that battle. And Saul, the king, and his son Jonathan, the heir to the throne, are both killed on the same day. Now, on that day, there's a boy in the palace whose name is Merib Baal. That literally means opposer of Baal. He's been raised in royalty. He has a royal name. He's the grandson to Saul, and he's the son of Jonathan. He enjoys a royal lifestyle, but all of that comes to a screeching halt on the day that his grandfather, the king, is killed, and his daddy, who should have been the heir to the throne, is killed as well. He's five years old. And the Bible records for us that there is panic 
that sets into the palace. Because the invaders, those who were coming, were coming to destroy Jerusalem. And Mirabel has a nursemaid, an attendant, who's caring for him. Now the natural assumption would be those that just killed the grandfather and those who killed the father would now be coming for any other heirs to the throne. And so this attendant scoops young Mirabelle, five years old, up into her arms, and she begins running to try to preserve the heir to the throne. Now in the process of that, and we don't know exactly what happened, but she drops Mirabelle. And something happens to his little five-year-old body that leaves him paralyzed. How many of you know that bad things sometimes happen to good people? Come on, somebody. It's happened to you. Things you didn't deserve. Things that were unfair. Things that never should have happened to you. And they happened. That's what happened to Mirabelle. Five years old. He didn't do anything to deserve that. He didn't ask for that. He didn't ask to be scooped up into the nursemaid's arms. She was trying to do the right thing. She was trying to do a good thing by preserving the heir to the throne. And an accident happens. Just an accident. It wasn't intentional. Trying to do the right thing. She trips. She drops him. And from that moment on, he's paralyzed. Without the ability to walk. And the Bible tells us that then he is taken to a place called Lodabar, raised by a man by the name of Makir, and Makir changes his name from Mirabel to Mephibosheth. Now watch this. Lodabar means place of no communication. It means a place of no pasture. It means a barren or a silent place. Think about it. Here's this five-year-old heir to the throne. Didn't deserve to be paralyzed. Was raised in royalty, enjoying the royal lifestyle. And now all of a sudden, he finds himself some 700 miles away in a place called Lodabar. You ever been there? Now, I don't mean literally, have you ever been to Lodabar? I mean, have you ever been in a place that seemed barren? You ever been in a place that it seemed like no matter how much you prayed, the heavens were silent? There was no communication. There was no green pastures for you. I don't know about you. I'm just trying to get real with you tonight. But there have been many times in my life that I've ended up in Lodabar. And I didn't deserve to be there. It wasn't because of sin that I was there. It was somehow the hand of God that put me in a barren place. Put me in a place of no communication. Put me in a place of silence. I guarantee you, your pastors have been there before. Well, you wonder, God, where where are you, God? Like, it just feels like I can't even hear you anymore, God. I feel completely alone in this place. It feels like nothing is growing around me. 
feels like such a desolate, barren place. That's, that's where Mephibosheth is. And that's where he's now being raised. Five years old. Life has shortchanged him. Listen, he belonged in the palace. He belonged on the throne. There are some things in life that we try our best to forget. We go to great lengths to block some memories out of our minds. And then there are some things that God forgets. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that there are things that God forgets. The Bible says that when we ask Him to forgive us, He throws our sins into the depths of the sea. How many of you are glad He forgets all the mistakes that you've made when you ask Him to forgive you? Jeremiah 31, 34 says that he will forgive our sins and remember them no more. And then there are things that God never forgets. He never forgets your name. Aren't you grateful for that? I said, aren't you grateful for that, church? And he never forgets how much that he loves you. He remembers you. He remembers your name. He remembers every moment of every day how crazy He is about you. That His love for you is not based on your performance. It's not based on your behavior. That He loves you with an everlasting love and there's nothing you can do today that will make Him love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do today that will make Him love you any less. Come on, if you're grateful for that, just lift your hands for a moment and just thank Him for His love. Come on, church. Just thank Him for His love. And He's crazy about you right now. He loves you more than anybody on the planet. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for a love that remembers. Now listen, if you're taking notes, write these things down. Number one, His love for you remembers His promises. His love for you remembers His promises. Watch this. David had a very close friendship with Jonathan, the son of Saul. They made a vow with one another. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 14 through 17 records the vow that they made. It says this, And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die... Treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. And so Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, saying, May the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. So now when David is sitting on a throne that is not rightfully his... When he's sitting in a palace where he really didn't belong, enjoying luxuries that belonged to somebody else. After he has defeated all of his enemies of Israel, David remembers his vow. Chapter 9, verse 1. One day, David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? 
Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which He confirmed to them by oath. Psalm 105, verse 8. He remembers His covenant forever, the promise that He made for a thousand generations. You may feel forgotten. You may feel shortchanged. You may feel abandoned. You may feel like you're living in a barren place. You may feel like the heavens are silent. You may feel like God doesn't hear any prayer that you pray. You may feel like there is no hope for you or like you've messed up too many times or like for whatever reason, God has put you on the shelf or God has abandoned you. Maybe you feel like that He will, uh, that He has somehow walked away from you from you because you've promised over and over, God, I'll never do that again. And yet you repeated the same behavior. You went back to the same relationship. You went back to the same habit. You went back to the same junk and you feel like God has washed his hands of you. I want to remind you tonight that his love for you never changes, that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. And that he walks with you even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that God will make good on every promise that he's ever spoken over your life. God remembers his love for you that never changes. Remembers every promise that he's ever made to you. Are you grateful for that tonight? Here's the second thing. His love will carry you out of barrenness. His love will carry you out of barrenness. David finds out that there's a descendant of Saul, the grandson of Saul, the son of his friend, Jonathan. So he inquires, is there anybody left in Jonathan's family? I remember. I remember. See, it's important for you to remember the goodness of God. Your pastor was talking about the goodness of God. We sang about it. So important for you to remember the goodness of God. Do you realize when something is dismembered from your body, it's cut off from your body? If you dismember your finger, it's cut off from your body. If you dismember your ear, it's cut off from your body. To remember something means that you reattach something. And when you remember the goodness of God, you are reattaching yourself to who He is. You see, the enemy is constantly wanting to dismember you from the goodness of God, from the faithfulness of God. He's constantly wanting you to question the goodness of God. Because bad things happen to good people sometimes. We feel shortchanged. We feel like we've been abandoned, like we've been cast out into the land of bareness, into Lodabar, into a place where there's no green pastures. We feel like for some reason, when we drew straws, we drew the short straw. And the enemy wants you to feel cheated tonight. The enemy wants you to feel forgotten tonight. 
And that's why it's important that you develop the practice in your life of every day reattaching yourself to the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Remembering the goodness of God. It's important for you to remember where you've come from. It's important for you to remember everything that God has done in this church. It's important for you when you drive through downtown Albemarle or when you're walking up the sidewalk that you remember Remember what God did in this church. You reattach yourself to how God showed up time and time again and was faithful to you and brought you into this place. As a husband, as a wife, as a mom or a dad, as a grandparent, as a single person, as a student. That you develop the habit of reattaching yourself to the goodness of who he is. So that the enemy doesn't dismember you. And cut you off from the very nature of who God is. So there's David. He remembers. He reattaches himself to the promise that he made. The oath that he had made with his best friend Jonathan. He inquires, is there anybody left? Yes. Yeah, we've done a search. And, and, and we've gone through the records. And we've discovered that there is someone left. There is someone. Crippled in both of his feet. Without the ability to walk, David says, get him, go, find him, send for him. I've got to make good on the promise that I made. I want you to go get him wherever he is. Go find him. I don't care how far away it is. I want you to take the chariots, take horses, whatever you need to take. And I want you to find Miribel. See, David had no idea that his name had been changed to Mephibosheth. Can you, can you just imagine with me for a moment the fear that Mephibosheth must have felt when he realized that the king had sent for him. Think about it. The natural inclination would have been to think, he's come to kill me. I'm the rightful heir to the throne. And the king wants to eliminate any potential threat to his kingship. And there's Mirabel, there's Mephibosheth, who sits in Lodabar, who has no ability to get up and to run, to flee for his life. He can't do anything about it. He is, as we would say, a sitting duck. He's sitting there, and all of a sudden he hears the footsteps of the men that are coming, and he has no way of running, he has no way of fleeing, and all of a sudden, there's the knock at the door. Can you imagine what Mephibosheth must have been feeling in that moment? Well, I guess this is the way it's going to end. Five years old, paralyzed. Brought 700 miles away to Lodabar. I've lived in this place of barrenness. We don't know how old he is at this point. He's lived for years now. This place of barrenness. I guess this is a way that my life will end. But listen to me. What Mephibosheth thought was the end was really the beginning. 
what sometimes we think because we fall for the deception and the tactics of the enemy, what sometimes we think is the end is just simply the beginning. What the enemy thinks is a ceiling that he's put on your life is just simply the floor that you're going to stand on as you go higher in the things of God. Mephibosheth had no idea that he was about to be in the palace that he'd been carried out of years earlier. He didn't realize that love had come to a barren place, that love had come to a forgotten place. He didn't realize that love had come to a silent place. And I don't know about you tonight, but I'm so thankful that in those moments that I didn't deserve it, in those moments where I was messed up from the chest up, where I was beat up from the feet up, where I was tore up from the floor up. Come on, somebody. That he didn't forget about me. That love came to me in a barren place. Love came to me in a silent place. Love came to me in a desolate place. Come on, if you're thankful that his love comes after you, that his love chases you down, somebody ought to just thank him right now. His love will carry you out of a barren place because he's that crazy about you. Psalm chapter 40 verse 2 says this, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and He gave me a firm place to stand. I want you to watch this video that our team produced that I believe so clearly illustrates how His love will lift you out of a barren place. Come on, anybody thankful that His love will lift you out of the miry clay tonight? Here's the last thing, and then we're going to pray. His love will restore what the enemy tried to steal. His love will restore what the enemy tried to steal. He'll restore what the locusts devour. The latter will be greater than the former. He's a God of increase. He's a God of abundance. Watch this. Now watch what happened. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now we stopped at verse 7, but we're going to pick up right there. And I want you to listen to what happens. David says to him when he comes into the palace, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I feel something on that. I feel something on that. There's somebody here that feels like God's going to reject you. You've messed up too much. Like he could never do for you what you just saw in that video. And the Lord would say to you, don't be afraid. He's not intimidated nor impressed by your sin. He says to Mephibosheth, don't be afraid. Mephibosheth assumed that he was going to kill him. David says, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. Listen, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. <laughs> and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. 
But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, watch, will eat here at my table. Zeba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Zeba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you've commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. God's going to carry you out. I said God's going to carry you out. The devil's a liar. The devil says that you are too crippled. You're too messed up. That you're too addicted. That you're too vile. You're too rebellious. The devil tries to tell you that there's no hope for you. You've been there too long. It's too late for you. You've been in Lodabar way too long and there's no way that God will ever restore to you what you rightfully deserve. Oh, 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 I forgot to tell you what the name Mephibosheth means. His original name meant rebel, meant opposer of Baal. But he was given a name, and I don't even know if Makir understood what he was doing when he prophesied over a five-year-old boy, and he gave him the name Mephibosheth, which means destroyer of shame. You see, listen to me, gathering. Listen. God's going to restore to you His promises. And His love is going to break any shame off of your life. And He is going to seat you at His own table. Like I believe even tonight that there are some of you who are shrouded in shame. Because you've promised your family. You've promised yourself. You've promised God. I won't do it again. I won't go there again. And the enemy says, you'll stay in Lodabar forever. And God sent a guy from Kannapolis, North Carolina to you tonight to remind you that the Lord's love remembers His promises to you. His love will chase you down all the way into Lodabar. And His love will pick you up and lift you when you don't have the ability to do anything for yourself. That His love will pick you up and He'll carry you 700 miles out of Lodabar. And He'll carry you right back into the place of destiny. You see, it was the destiny of Mirabel that he be in that palace. And God saw to it that he ended up exactly where he was supposed to be. He restores everything that the enemy tries to steal. My brother, would you, would you come back up again? I, di- I didn't do right with you. Come on back up. I owe this brother. I just wanted for the sake of you understanding what it looks like to be shortchanged. He he gave me what? He gave me a ten? He gave me a twenty. I, I, how much did I give you back? I gave you two fives. I owe you a couple of fives. Here's what the Lord does. God never shortchanges us. 
where the enemy tries to rob from us, the enemy tries to steal from us, that the Lord says, everything the enemy stole from you, I'll make sure that you get what's coming to you. But then the Lord doesn't stop there. The Lord says, you know what? I want to go above and beyond because it's God's heart and it's God's desire. that we be blessed. And I want you to understand what the Lord wants to do for you tonight. God doesn't want to just give you what's coming to you. God wants to go above and beyond exceedingly, abundantly, above what you can ask or imagine. For Samuel chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, he lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor. Not because we deserve it, but because that's the kind of daddy that he is. Regardless of where you are, regardless of how long you've been there, regardless of how unfair life has been to you, Regardless of what state you might find yourself in, His love remembers. I want you to just watch. This is a friend of mine as she shares her story about how God came after her and how God's love lifted her out of a difficult place and how the Lord restored and went above and beyond what she ever could have imagined. Listen as Angel shares her testimony, will you? And then we'll pray. Come on, will you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? I want you to just sit for a moment in His presence. Your eyes closed. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? There are some of you here, you have felt like you were in a barren place. You have felt abandoned by the Lord. Maybe you felt like He had walked away from you. And there are some of you that feel like He had every right, and you deserve that because of the mistakes that you've made. You came here tonight by the divine orchestration of the Lord so that He could remind you of a love that remembers. He brought you here so that you could be reminded that He is faithful to His promises. He brought you here tonight so that you could be reminded that He'll come to your barren place. He'll come to your desolate place. He'll carry you out of that place, out of the miry clay, out of the mud, out of the mire. He brought you here tonight so that you could understand again that He restores to you everything that the enemy has stolen from you. Everything that life has tried to steal from you. The unfair, the bad things that have happened to you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve to have a daddy who would do what he did. To have family members who would do what they did. To have a husband or a wife who would do what they did to you. You didn't deserve that. 
But none of those things change who God is tonight. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for who you are, that you are eternally good. Father, when we go through bad times, we don't have to ask, why is this happening? We just simply need to ask, who's in control? And Lord, you're in control. And Father, we thank you for your presence that's here. And I believe, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking to hearts right now of some who are covered over with shame because of mistakes that they've made. And I believe tonight's the night, God. It's not the end of encounter, God. It's the beginning of a deeper encounter with you. It's the beginning of a fresh work that you want to do in their life. It's the beginning of levels of freedom that they've never tasted of before, where you break off of them the reproach of Egypt. You break off of them shame that the enemy has tried to put on them to paralyze them, to cripple them, to keep them from moving forward. I thank you, God. You have the ability to do what we cannot do. Mephibosheth had no ability to take himself out of that place of barrenness. And God, there are people here tonight who do not have the ability to change their situation. They can't change the past. But thank you, God, that you can change their future. And Lord, I pray that we would not allow the enemy to keep us from responding to you. I take authority right now over shame and I declare there is now no shame whatsoever, no condemnation to these precious sons and daughters of the Most High. I take authority over every lie, every deception, every trick of the enemy. I come against that in the name of Jesus and I pray, oh God, shackles and chains would fall off of us and that we would take steps towards you tonight. In the name of Jesus, God, do a work in our hearts. Do a work, oh God. Lord, those who have felt abandoned, I pray, God, tonight, you would remind them you collect every tear that falls in a bottle, God. You hear every cry that comes from their lips. You see them, God. You know what they've been crying out to you, God, for months or for years. You see, God, what they need. Lord, I pray that something would stir on the inside of us right now, God. And we would see ourselves as those who are being lifted out of the place and carried right back into the place of destiny, seated at the table of the king. God, do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Do it right now, God. Holy Spirit, have your way. 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 Thank you, God. 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 Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Hallelujah. 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 
If you're here tonight and you feel abandoned by the Lord, you feel like you're in Lodabar, you feel like you're in a silent, barren place with no green pasture, stand to your feet right now. Come on. If that's you, that's it. Stand to your feet. I'm telling you, just that simple act of you stretching your legs out, standing to your feet, is going to release something right now. If that's you, come on, you feel abandoned. You feel like you've prayed the prayers over and over and God is not listening. God doesn't hear what you've prayed. Stand to your feet. That's it. That's it. You're just responding right now to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. You're responding to Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship team, I want you to get ready. We're fixing to start worshiping. God's about to do a work. The Lord's moving right now. We're getting ready to worship. Come on, anybody else? You feel abandoned. You feel like He's uh, cast you out to a barren place. Come on, stand up. Stand up. If you're here tonight and the enemy's tried to just paralyze you with shame, he's tried to cripple you with shame because of the mistakes that you've made, the, 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 the things that you've repeated, I want you to stand up right now. Come on, we're breaking that off of you tonight. We're saying no more, no more, no more. If that's you, come on, stand up. Breaking that shame. Breaking that shame. Some of you that are here, you feel like you've gotten shortchanged. You've sown way more than you've reaped. You invested way more than the returns that you should have gotten. You feel like you drew the short straw. If that's you, come on, stand up. Stand up. Come on. Come on, God's not scared of your questions. That's it. Come on, you feel like you've been shortchanged. Bad things have happened to you. Unfair things have happened to you. And you've had that thought. If I would have had what somebody else had, my life would be different. God could use me in a greater way if, if I hadn't have dealt with the things I've dealt with. If the divorce never would have happened. Hallelujah. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way. I'm going to wait just a moment more. I, I really feel... There's two people that haven't stood that should have stood, and I'm just, I'm not trying to call you out. I'm just going to give you an opportunity. It's you. If that's you, go ahead. Go ahead. If there's more, it might be more than two. I just know that there were two that didn't stand that should have stood. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to make that declaration again. You are good. We're going to look into the, into the eyes of the one who loves us like nobody else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If there's anybody in this place and you're not in a right relationship with the Lord, you're in what some would call a backslidden stake. Maybe it's a rebellious season of your life. You want to make things right tonight. It's the last night of encounter, and you're saying, I want to make things right tonight. I want you to stand to your feet right now if that's you. I'm not where I ought to be. I'm not in a right relationship with the Lord. I've got to make this right before this thing ends. 
Come on, we're about to pray, but if that's you, I want you to stand. You might be the only one, but this is important. I want to get it right. I was made for more than this. There's a destiny on my life. I will not let the enemy rob me of. Hallelujah. 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 Here's what I want you to do. Every person that's standing, I want you to come right here to the front right now. Nothing different about this concrete than that concrete that's under your feet. But there's something about you taking a step towards the Lord. There's action that He requires of us. When He told the ten ten lepers, go show yourself to the priest, that's action that He required. Come on, if you're standing, come right here to the front. We're about to pray. I want the rest of you to stand to your feet now. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to begin to worship. Worship team's going to declare in song what we've sung earlier. We're going to begin to worship in this place. And then we're going to pray over these who have come. And we're going to believe tonight there's something that's about to happen in their life. Something that God's about to do. Worship team, can we just declare that last song that we sang. That last song that we were doing in worship. Can you guys go back into that again and let's just declare that tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All over this place, I want you to lift your hands and lift your voices. Yeah, come on. Be the mountain where I Let him be the king right now. The fountain I drink from. Oh, he is mine. Yes, 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 yes. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. Hallelujah. for my life. Oh, yeah. he is my He's our song. song. You are good. Come on, let's worship. You're good. Yeah. Oh, Come on, you're making a declaration of faith. You are good. You are good. Hallelujah. Oh, you are good. Yes, you are. You're The king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor and the waves. Hallelujah, Lord, yes, Lord. He is my song. Yes, Lord. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins. Yeah. The God. He's a faithful God. Never gonna let me down. 
You're never gonna Yeah, live. yeah. You're never gonna His love remembers. You're never gonna learn. You're never gonna let me down. Hallelujah. that's standing around the front it's a family member a good friend I want you to come right now I want you to put a hand on their shoulder some of them have already done so and I want you to just hey here's your chance to say we got your back in this we've got your back I want you to stand with them I want you to pray with them we're about to pray we're going to believe right now that the Holy Spirit is about to do what we cannot do hallelujah hallelujah just a moment, Pastor Paul's going to come, but before he does, I want to pray over you. And as I pray, I want those of you that are standing with them, behind them, I want you to engage in prayer. I want you to pray along with me. Let's believe right now that the enemy is a liar, the enemy is defeated, and that God right now is remembering his love for you in a way that brings you back into that place of destiny. So, Father, Right now, we pray over these who have come, and we thank you, God, that you are the one who stirred their hearts. God, you're the one tonight who reminded them that you're crazy about them. And Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And we declare by faith, God, you're never going to let us down. God, bad things have happened, unfair things have happened, but it changes nothing about your nature, changes nothing about your character. We can say, God, with assurance, you are good. And you're never going to let us down. And I pray, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, that these who feel abandoned, these who feel lonely, 
these who feel like they're in a place of barrenness, I pray, God, right now that you would help them to feel the arms of the Lord wrapping around them, oh God, that you would embrace them. They would sense your closeness right now. They would know that you are with them, that you never leave them, you never forsake them. Father, I pray right now they would sense the breath of God in their spirit, the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing right now on the inside of them. Oh God, we come against every lie of the enemy that tries to convince people that you've abandoned them, that you weren't there for them when they were a child. You weren't there for them when the divorce was taking place. You weren't there for them when the cancer came. You weren't there for them when the bankruptcy notice came. You weren't there for them, oh God. Father, we break that. We, we speak against that lie in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray right now. God, I pray for those who are covered with shame. Father, in the name of Jesus, we break that shame off of them now in Jesus' name. We come against those filthy lies of the enemy. Father, in Jesus' name, set them free from this shame. Set them free from this condemnation. We pray, oh God, that they would hear the love song that you sing over them. They would hear you, God, declaring over their life, just like you did over Mephibosheth. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to forsake you. A broken and a contrite heart, he will in no way despise. If you humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up. Come on, you got to own it right now. Those of you that are here and you're covered over with shame, I want you to repent. I want you to own it. Come on, I want you to be humble before Him. Don't try to blame somebody else. Well, if my granddaddy hadn't have done this, if my mother hadn't have done this, no. You take responsibility for your mistakes. And you say, God, I blew it. God, I rebelled. God, I made the choice. God, I made the mistake. And Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I ask you to forgive me, God. Wash me from the inside out. Make me a new creature, oh God. Come and cleanse me, Father, from what I've done. Cleanse me, oh God. Father, these who feel shortchanged. Maybe they didn't grow up with a daddy. Maybe their husband walked out on them. Maybe they had church leadership who burned them and hurt them. They feel shortchanged because they were never able to have children. They feel shortchanged because the business didn't make it. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would begin restoring what the enemy has stolen from them. God, if it's finances, restore the finances. If it's joy that the enemy stole, restore joy tonight, I pray. God, for those who have had problems sleeping because they've been in turmoil, because they're battling a spirit of fear, 
I take authority over that right now in Jesus' name. And I speak the shalom of the Lord, the peace of God over their lives. And I declare, according to Proverbs chapter 3, that they will have sweet sleep when they lie down. They will not be afraid of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. But their confidence will be in the Lord. I take authority over that fearful spirit in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, right now that they would be able to sleep soundly. Sleep soundly. In the name of Jesus. There's someone here who's battling nightmares. It's been going on now for weeks. I take authority over that in Jesus' name. And I believe I know who it is. I come against that in Jesus' name. I declare right now the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ over you in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, I thank you that you're the one who can restore where the enemy has stolen. God, you can restore relationship. You can restore, God, relationship between dads and moms and their children. And I pray that you would do that right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Lord, for the one who's battling sickness, I pray that you would restore health. I feel like we're supposed to pray for you. If you're battling sickness in your body, it might be chronic pain, it might be some disease, I want you to lift your hand right now. We're going to believe right now. Somebody put a hand on the shoulder of these who have their hand lifted right over here. We're going to pray in Jesus' name. Father, we release right now the healing virtue of Jesus over these who are battling sickness in their body. We address pain and we command it to go. We speak to chronic pain in Jesus' name and we command it to leave. Father, we speak to disease, whatever it might be, of any kind, of any type. We take authority over it in Jesus' name and we command now the healing of Jesus right now in their body. The healing of Jesus. God, just like your blood provided salvation for us, your blood also provided healing for us. And we receive that now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. There's some here that are you're, you're battling and I'm almost reluctant to say the word because I don't want you to attach a label to this. Let me just share this with you. Last year, 2017, was one of the most difficult years of my entire life. In 34 years of ministry, I've never battled like I battled last year. I was in the Word. I was faithful to my time with the Lord. I was worshiping. I was not in habitual sin. But there was this dark place. A dark place of the soul that I just could not get out of. And some of you, I sense from the Lord, are in a place like that. It's different than that barren place that we talked about. 
It's different than Lodabar. Now, I'm an optimistic person. I'm a joyful person, I think. But I'm telling you what, there was a battle, a fierce battle with an enemy who was trying to rob me of my joy. And there are some of you, you can call it depression if you want. I just want to be careful that we don't just label that one thing because there's a, I battled depression, but I wasn't in depression. But there was a dark place of my soul. And some of you are there. And we're, we're going to pray. I really felt prompted of the Holy Spirit to share that with you and to pray that over you. And if that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up. You might be out there. Just hold your hand up. Yeah. Yeah. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Come on, just keep your hand lifted. Just go ahead and lift that other hand. Come on, we're just going to surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit right now. Something the Holy Spirit wants to do. He's already doing it. I just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit right now. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Let the light of your presence come and invade every dark crevice of our soul. Let the light of your presence fill every part of our mind, of our body, of our soul, of our spirit. We welcome your presence right now, Holy Spirit, into these dark places of our soul. Those who are battling for their joy. Right now, Father, I pray for the oil of gladness to come on them. Let the oil of gladness begin now pouring over their soul. Hallelujah. 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 Though there may be weeping in the night, joy comes in the morning. Joy. Come on, just say that word with me. Joy. Come on, say that word again. Joy. Father, we receive your joy right now. We speak to our soul. Like David spoke to his soul. Soul, I will rejoice in the Lord. We speak to our soul right now. We will rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want every person here, come on, just lift your hands. I want you to just begin to thank Him. Come on, begin to thank Him. Not because you feel different. Some of you do. But I'm just saying by faith, come on, He's good. And you're thanking Him for freedom. You're thanking Him for restoration. You're thanking Him for what He's doing right now, for the work that He's doing. Come on, with your own mouth now, with your own tongue, with your own lips, I want you to begin to just release that praise to the Lord. Come on, go. Release that praise to Him. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah.
bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Come on. Let's thank him for his goodness tonight. God, we thank you for life. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for freedom. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for joy. Thank you for peace. Thank you, God, for who you are. We bless you, Lord, in this place. We bless you, Lord, in this place. Come on, as Pastor Paul comes, I want you to just give him the biggest hand clap of praise that you can. Come on, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Hallelujah. Um, I need to tell you something so I can tell you something, and I know I'll make this quick. I'm a terrible golfer. Terrible golfer. And here's what I learned in the few times that I tried to play golf. And when I say terrible, I don't, what is an average round of golf? 70 what? For me, I mean, if I, if I broke 120, that was good. I mean, I'm bad. But here's what I found. Just give me one good shot in a round, and that was enough to make me want to try again. Just one. I mean, literally, like 119 bad ones, and if I could hit one perfect shot. Here's why I say that. This has been really good. When I was youth pastoring, um, I don't know if this ever happens to you, Pastor Jay, but people say awful things about you in ministry. Or maybe, they, I mean, they did about me. They wouldn't ever say it to me, but they said, so some people, the sweet, sweet people would write me notes that you threw in the trash, but other people would write me notes that I kept. And I literally, you can ask Wendy, I had a file in my filing cabinet because I struggle with, I struggle with dark soul times. And I had a file, and it, here's what it was called for encouragement, for future encouragement. And when I had those dark seasons, I would pull out one or two of those cards and I would read them to myself. Listen, it just takes one word from God to get you through a whole bunch of crap from the devil. And you got a good word tonight. Y'all got a good, we got a good word tonight. And, and just very practically, your whole message was good. The part that grabbed me was about dismembering and remembering. And here's what I feel like you, we need to do, right? Man, before the week is over, go home and do it tonight. Write down the ways that God has been good in your life so that you can literally every day read a list and remember. I love what you said. When we remember, we are reattaching ourselves to the destiny that God called us to just by remembering His goodness. And when we stop doing that, we get cut off. That was really powerful. Thank you. And can you just, I know it's the Lord, right? But can you just thank the servant again for coming tonight and sharing with us? So, so powerful. Yeah, you know we got to sing something, right? We can, I mean, I'm good singing You Are Good. We could sing that forever. That's just so good. Um, I, I want to pray over you. And um, while we're praying, can I just say this? If you've been with us and, and you don't have a church home, 
we'd love to have you at the gathering. Um, we are surely not perfect, but we are passionate about seeking after God. Um, I know you, you touched on just those dark places. In two Sundays, um, on the 23rd, we're kicking off a brand new series called Asking for a Friend. And it's all based on questions that you have asked for a friend, right? And the first two weeks, I told you this, the first two weeks we're talking about addiction and we're talking about suicide. These are things that are really big in our county right now. And I believe that what God has done here, that's a hard way to send people out, isn't it? <laughs> what God's done in Encounter is he has, he has reignited our passion for the goodness of God. Because we're going to have people walk through these doors who need to see a physical display of people who believe in the goodness of God no matter what. And that's who we are. That's what he's done. And so would you just raise your hands? Can we just thank him for his faithfulness in our lives? God, we thank you for what you've done Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. It is only the beginning. These are not events that we hope holds us over until next year. These are launching pads, God. You have just dumped rocket fuel on a fire in us. And so we just pray that we would be found, God, passionate followers of Jesus. That's not about emotion. That's about a decision. No turning back. That when the city walks through these doors looking for hope, we would be here full of hope pointing them to Jesus. We thank you for what you've done in us, God. I bless this house. I bless them, God. I pray that they would have the honor of tomorrow sharing with somebody what you shared with them. And that they would see faces and souls light up, Lord. We remember your goodness to us. And your goodness to us far outweighs anything else. And in your name we pray it, Jesus. Amen.